All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Got the Money Wise guys back inside the Money Wise studio with me for this weekend show. I have my brother Jeff, Joe Rust, and I am your host, Kyle Davidson. For any new listeners to the Money Wise program, Davidson Capital Management is a fee-only registered investment advisor. We're in our 32nd year of business with offices in San Antonio and Corpus Christi. We have your investment management needs covered throughout Central and South Texas. And if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll free at 1-800-275-2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can catch the Money Wise podcast on any one of your favorite podcast apps. Well, as we kick off every weekend's Money Wise program, I turn it over to my brother, Jeff, to go into the numbers from Wall Street from last week. So, Jeff, take it away. Okay. In the week just passed, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up about 84 points. The S&P 500 last week was up about 17 points or four-tenths of 1%. And the NASDAQ last week was up about 63 points or four-tenths of 1%. Now, for the year to date, <clears throat> the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 13.9%. The S&P 500 year-to-date is up 16.3%. And the NASDAQ year-to-date is up 14.1%. Well, I would say this was the uh, the week of the Treasury market, it seems. Man, what we saw some serious fluctuations, particularly as we focus as money managers on the 10-year Treasury. You know, seeing its its gyration and actually over the last three weeks, we have seen that 10 year treasury come down in yield, which means the prices have been going up in those bonds. Um, and I can tell you a lot of the uh, bond gurus out on the street were definitely anticipating to be seeing a 2% treasury. Now, although we're not to the end of the year yet, so we still have an opportunity to get there. But this past week, you know, continuously seeing those interest rates drop. You know, Friday, again, had the whole week on Friday. Uh, if, if the, That's right. If the week had ended on Thursday, it would have been uh, the first negative week, I think, in seven. I think at, with, with this week's That's game, is it, is, it, is it seven straight weeks or eight? I can't remember. I believe it's uh, seven. <clears throat> but uh, what happened on Thursday, uh, and I was traveling, so I, some of it I didn't really get to hear all of the details, but... Uh, but once I got settled in it to my uh, to my hotel, I was looking at how much the interest rates had gone down and scratching my head. It's like what 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 was the purpose of of yields going down? I heard something about China cracking down on tech companies and and you know there's there's a lot of hand wringing amongst the pundits. You know what does this mean? You know the the bond market is trying to tell us something. <clears throat> when interest it, rates go down, are they, they, are they trying to force Is it a prognosticator? It's, is it the prognosticator? Are, is it trying to tell us that there are hard times ahead and therefore let's 
put put some money into bonds and drive down interest rates. Uh, what are these hard times that are ahead that they're referring to? I, I'd heard some speculation that there's this new COVID variant. The Delta the variant. Delta variant. Delta forces, uh, I think that's what Kramer called it. That that uh, it seems to be... Uh, it's starting to gain. It's, more, start, more it's starting traction. to gain more traction. But also, what I what I also heard was it seems to be focused in folks that have not been vaccinated. So again, is that a shouldn't that be a, a motivation for folks that haven't been vaccinated to go get vaccinated if the COVID if this COVID variant is is predominantly showing up in people that haven't had got the vaccination? You know, I heard rumors about. The uh, again, maybe we're going to go back to the mask mandate nationwide and they're going to start shutting down restaurants again and <clears throat> movie theaters. And we're looking at you know, March 2020 uh, all over again. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you, if that was to happen, there wouldn't be a Democrat sitting in a seat <laughs> in, in, in the House or the Senate next year. So you honestly think that's going to happen? That they that they're gonna they're gonna take this economy again back to where, where we were in the second quarter of 2020. Do you think that's a, 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 a electionable event for them? Heck no. You know, so well, especially especially <laughs> when you're talking. You know, every time and not trying to make light of COVID. You know, and no. of course, any listener that's lost family members or loved ones or friends. You know, it's a horrible, horrible pandemic that we dealt with last year but if you follow the science every time a virus mutates it gets weaker and weaker now yes the delta variant might be more transmittable from one person to the other but the one thing the media is not talking about is what are the hospitalizations at what are the deaths at i saw some statistics this past week in certain states the average age of death from covid is older than the average age of death under normal conditions for that state. So where a normal state, let's say Wisconsin, the death rate or, or the, the, the average age of death is 75, but the average death rate for COVID is 78. So you start to wonder again about the media's hype uh, about the about the virus and really this Delta variant. But honestly, Jeff, not to be a conspiracy theorist, but when we start to hear about Pfizer in particular now talking about that they're working on a booster shot and that the people that have gotten the two vaccine shots and are fully vaccinated now having to come back for one or two or three boosters in the future, and you hear that the federal government has now spent over a trillion dollars of taxpayer monies on these vaccines, you start to wonder, is there some kind of connection between big pharma and the politicians and them trying to motivate people not only that haven't gotten vaccinated to get vaccinated, but fully vaccinated people to go and get these boosters so these big tech, I mean, the big pharmaceutical companies can continue to collect more and more money when the science is just really not showing it. That is a lot to chew on, Kyle. That's a lot to chew on. Oh, my and, gosh. And and I had to get it out there. I had gonna, to get it I'm out. Gonna, wow. Yeah. Uh, Moneywise at DavidsonCap.com for anyone that, <laughs> that wants to comment. On what Kyle just said. Well, no, I, I don't agree with you there, Kyle. Not, I, think, not I mean, it's just like the flu shot. Every year you, you get an updated flu shot because the flu strains change. The same thing's going to be happening probably with COVID, and we're going to have to get COVID boosters. I mean, all these things that we got treated when we were a child to be able to even get into school, we had to have a shot at a certain age, and then we got a booster, and then we didn't have to get them anymore. 
COVID's a, a totally different animal. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. If we're going to have to get, if we're all going to have to get boosters, anything that keeps this economy open and keeps people employed and keeps people able to earn a living so they can feed their families and stay in their homes. You know, I'm all for that. And if it means that big pharma has to produce some booster shots for us, and we're going to have to take them for a number of years or for the rest of our lives, so be it. There are a lot of countries that would love to have the Pfizer. I I understand, but, but it would be nice if these vaccines were still not experimental. Well, let's take our first commercial break. You're listening to money wise with Davidson capital management. We'll be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call at our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll free at 1 800 275 2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And you can catch the MoneyWise podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps. So let's shift a little bit of gears away from the uh, COVID vaccination conversation that we were having in the first segment of this weekend show. I wanted to, again, go back to recap some of the happenings on Wall Street from last week, and particularly on Thursday. We were kind of, Jeff, you were kind of going in in the first segment of some of the rumors and things that we heard trying to um, trying to basically explain primarily what happened on Thursday when we saw the 10-year Treasury go down below 1.30%. And I know that there's a lot of, I've been hearing this from a lot of uh, bond experts from the financial entertainment press. There was a lot of short interest in the Treasury market, which is basically a bet that prices for the 10-year treasury are going to be going down, which would be driving yields higher. And normally when you're in a higher inflationary environment, you would normally see interest rates start moving higher. So for to see them come down below 1.30% on Thursday, what I feel that happened is we saw a triggering short covering in the bond market. And then there were some algorithms and other traders on the stock side that got triggered when they saw the 10-year treasury going below whatever preset mark they had in their algorithm, causing the market to sell off like it did on Thursday, because those algorithms are saying, well, if we're seeing interest rates come down as we did on Thursday, there must be something more dramatic negatively happening in the market. And so we've got to do some covering by raising some money and selling the shares. And then come Friday, that all went away. One other thing, Jeff, And Joe, as I read that the European Central Bank, the ECB, was talking about their interest rate policies and primarily focusing on inflation and that they're making some of the similar changes that our Federal Reserve is doing by doing more of allowing the inflationary rate to hover and be in and around the 2% range, but can actually run above the 2% range for a period of time, similar to the decisions the Federal Reserve made sometime back uh, in 2000, or excuse me, in 2020, and how they made those changes to their calculation for inflation, which caused some selling off taking place in the Eurozone, which then cascaded on Thursday into the market here. So I think those are some of the the movements that we saw in the market. And we saw the 10-year Treasury close on Friday at 1.358%. But again, over the last three weeks, we've seen it come down. 
And I know that when I've had conversations with clients, kind of our prognostication for the future as far as the market is concerned, because as you said, Jeff, in the last segment, we've seen the market continue to have positive week over week over week returns for the last seven weeks. And so I would say that we're long due for a kind of pause in the market, a little bit of a corrective move, although the month of July is historically a positive return month for the markets. My feelings is that we might see some selling as we get later into August, anticipate, you know, anticipating what's going to be said in the Federal Reserve's symposium at Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Well, before we even get to Jackson Hole, we have next week to contend with earnings next because next week. Well, yes, that is one part of it, Joe. Uh, but the other part of it is we have the consumer price index on Tuesday, producer prices on Wednesday. We have industrial production and retail sales. But those the Tuesday and Wednesday numbers are certainly going to get a lot of attention uh, from from traders. If they come in hotter than expected again, here we go again. We're going to be talking about, all right, is this truly transitory, meaning temporary, or is this not temporary? I, I really don't think the Federal Reserve is going to have enough data until we get well into the fourth or first quarter of 2022. Well, until they have employment numbers, full employment numbers. Well, but here's That's, the other thing. But but Joe, here's the other thing. We've got to get these un, these extra unemployment benefits yeah. done and over with, and we got to see how motivated people who have been staying at home for whatever reason, whether it's fear of COVID, whether they're not getting paid enough to get off the couch because of these extra unemployment benefits. We just don't have, and the Fed would definitely not have the data, and they're not going to have the data for many, many, many months to come to well, see what's going to happen there, to see if it's going to take employers to be coming in with higher wages to motivate employees to show up, which obviously, if they're going to have to start paying higher and higher wages, then yes, that transitory inflation could become more permanent. But here's something else that came out this past week. We now have 9.21 million jobs available, and we have less than that number of people unemployed prior to the COVID pandemic in March of last year. So we have more jobs available than there are employees to fill them. So then what is you're it talking about to then people, You're talking about then people on unemployment to fill them. Is that what you're talking about? Well, they're, they're saying that there's still about 8 million people, round about 8 million people that are still unemployed okay. from prior to the pandemic. And now we have 9.21 million jobs available. So the question is, is where is the equilibrium going to be what employers have to pay to get employees into work? And is it going to be such an elevated pay from the business owner or the company that it is going to drive inflation higher for the foreseeable future? Or will they not have to do that? That's the big $64,000 question of, I think, the big determining factor, whether or not inflation is going to be transitory, as the Fed is currently saying, or if it's going to be more permanent inflation. But we just don't know yet. There's not going to be enough data, and we're not going to know it this month. We're not going to know it next month. We're, we're, we might not know it till the end of the fourth quarter or first quarter of 2022. Well, and, and we've talked about this in previous shows. As, as managers of money, there is no pandemic playbook. There is no way to forecast how this is going to end. All right? There's no way to predict. Oh, the last time we had transitory inflation was 
don't know, Jeff, you're a little bit older than me. When? I mean, I, <laughs> just I, a little bit, just a little bit. I am 50 <laughs> and Jeff is only 51, but uh, <laughs> happy birthday, Jeff. That's your birthday, you birthday present. Exactly. But what I'm getting at is when you're managing a portfolio, these it's pretty difficult to forecast a future that has that much gray area to cover. I mean, we're not looking at full employment yet. September, they're still getting uh, unemployment checks, I believe, till September. I don't know the exact date. It, de it depends on the state. In Texas, I believe it, it's ending at the end of July, or it might have ended in June. I'm not exactly sure. So certain states, they're ending it sooner than the federal government. But I would say primarily the blue states are keeping the unemployment benefits going as long as possible. But that being said, too, this whole tax policy with the current administration wanted to implement, that right now to me is a neutral. All right. The, the, the pushback I, I feel on, ra on raising taxes when you don't have full employment, you're trying to get yeah. people back to work is, is the other thing that I think to me well, is a positive is not raising taxes when you're coming out of a pandemic. And well, we, I, yeah, we I thought totally that agree. might happen. And it's looking like it's that part of, of forecasting is coming to fruition where they're not going to be raising taxes in an environment where we don't have full employment yet. And Joe, well, I, I, I wanted to kind of expand on that is, is I don't think I have a feeling that really the tax increases are dead in the water because we've got the midterms coming up in November of 2022 and the way the, the, the path that the left is taking, I cannot possibly fathom that they're going to be able to hold on to the house and or the Senate or both come midterm of 2022 and unfortunately, President Biden is deteriorating every single day. It's just true. He's deteriorating every Let's, single day. And, it, and it's 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 sad to watch, but it's, it's just happening. So there's no telling if he's even going to be in power or get the 25th Amendment before we even get to the midterm election. Now, granted, now yeah, granted that would the create alternative, that. Yeah, something happening. The alternative prior, is not great. Hold on. Uh, something happening to him before next year's election would not create any uncertainty at all. Would it Kyle, the markets that would not be good for the markets if that came to fruition. Well, so, sometimes so let's markets... hope, let's hope, let's hope that that, that that doesn't happen. But going back to this, this question about inflation, inflation is just one variable in the whole decision-making process. And I know we've paid a little bit, we paid a lot of attention and talked a lot about it today. What I, what I, my point was about next week and no, the next week's one single CPI number is not going to be the data point that pushes the federal reserve over the edge. And they come out at Jackson hole here at the end of July. I believe it's at the end of July. Into August. End and, of August. Pardon me. End of August. Thank you. Uh, and, 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 comes out and says, yep, we're going to be raising rates in December. Get ready for it, everybody. No, this one number that's coming out next week isn't going to do that. But what I'm no. saying is, is this number next week, if it's, if it's hot enough, with as far and as fast as we've gone up, you know, look at a chart. Go look at, a, you know, the S&P, the NASDAQ, the Dow. As far and as fast as we have gone higher, you know, something like that could be an impetus for a real, a, a more real correction, you know, whether it's a 5 or a 10% over a few weeks. You know, you maybe something like that could be a trigger for it. And for those of our listeners that have been sitting out the markets, this could be an opportunity to get in at a lower price. We'll see. Yeah. Well, but just yeah. like Joe said, we also have earnings on top of all that. So too, that's have mentioned. your buy, have your buy list ready. That's right. That. Always have your buy list ready. Well, let's take another commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after this.
Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll free at 1 800 275 2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And you can catch the Money Wise podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. So I just kind of want to wrap up before we go into some investor education. Um, so we know we've got some economic statistics that are going to be coming out next week that the market's definitely going to be paying attention to. And we're going to be starting to creep into earnings season. Again, like last quarter's earnings season, I think this next quarter's earnings season is going to be even more robust from the quarter to quarter, quarter, or excuse me, year over year uh, comparisons from the second quarter of last year to the second quarter of this year. So we anticipate to see very strong earnings growth, but we'll see how the market is going to be digesting. And and obviously we'll have more money-wise shows as we get into the thick of the earnings season. Yeah, so the earnings for the S&P 500 are expected to be up a sharp 65%. Wow. Comparing the second quarter of 2021 to the second quarter of 2020. But next week, there's a ton of bank earnings coming out from J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, Citigroup, Morgan Stanley. All of those come out next week. That's how we the big boys. You know, the, the, all the big money center banks are, are what kicks off uh, earnings season. Well, I wanted to shift gears and go into some investor education. It's actually a conversation that I've been having uh, going back and forth with a husband and wife client of ours. And this client is looking to retire sometime in 2022. And the conversation we've been having is whether or not he should be taking his lump sum rollover distribution from his pension plan. Now, I know not every one of our listeners has the traditional pension. Uh, This client is very fortunate to have both a 401k and a traditional pension defined benefit plan. And in defined benefit plans, in case those of y'all are unaware of this, is that if the plan is fully funded, which means it has more than 80% funding or more, you as the employee have the ability to take a lump sum rollover distribution where you can roll your assets and a tax tax-free transaction and roll those assets over into your IRA. And he's fortunate enough to work for a company that has a fully funded pension. So he's able to take that rollover if he chooses to do so in retirement. But the big conversation we've been getting into is with his spouse who uh, comes from a background where she had family and parents that worked at a state and government level that of course took a state and government pension. And so she was feeling very, very uneasy about him doing the rollover into his IRA that we currently already manage versus taking the monthly pension payments for life. And so 
going back and forth in our conversation, I put together kind of a list of the reasons why at Davidson Capital Management, if you have the ability to take a lump sum distribution and roll it over to your IRA from a defined benefit plan, a traditional pension, why we recommend that you do that. And this is great education for everybody, but this also applies to 401ks because I know something, Joe, an article that you've run across is how many people leave companies and leave their 401k balances within the 401k, never consolidating them or rolling them over into an IRA, which will then, of course, open up the field of all their different investment options, possibly lower their fees, but also for them to gain control of those assets. So it's also, this is a, it's a topic that also can apply to 401ks, but let's focus primarily on the pensions. So one of the first reasons why we recommend for someone to take a lump sum rollover distribution from a traditional pension plan is you as the retiree, you want to have full control over those assets. You know, if your body is no longer physically working at the company, your assets shouldn't be either. And this also applies to a 401k. You want to be able to roll those assets over so you can have full control. The other secondary reason why you want to do that lump sum rollover is so you have full access to those dollars. Because when you retire, if you take a pension distribution, meaning you're collecting that monthly check for the rest of your life, or if you take it on two lives, meaning you and your spouse, that's all you're going to be getting. You're basically taking a lump sum of assets and putting it into financial jail. And they're kind of like an annuity, which it is. it's exactly, I mean, it's exactly an annuity. And if, and really the definition of an annuity is a steady stream of payments. That's primarily what an annuity is. And that's the same thing, how a pension works without being within the actual insurance product itself. But once you put those dollars into that financial jail, yes, you'll be getting that check every single month. But what if you have an emergency? What if you need to get a hold of more of those assets for whatever reason, or you just want to do a little bit more spending in retirement, enjoy the fruits of your labor? Once you start taking that pension check, that's it. That's all you're getting every single month for the rest of your life. So that's not something that we recommend because you want to be able to have access to those assets and you also want to have control. We always preach at Davidson Capital Management, when you go into retirement, you have to remain flexible. Flexibility in retirement is key because life can change in the blink of an eye and you never know how much money you will need or when you will need it. And if it's locked up in a pension or if it's locked up in an annuity that you've annuitized, you could be dead in the water when you need more money, let's say your expenses, because you have to go into an assisted living facility is $7,000 a month, but your pension check is only covering $2,000 of that. Well, that's a problem. Now, if you had more access and you'd actually roll those assets over, then you could be starting to take a larger distribution on a monthly basis from the assets you rolled over in a lump sum from your pension. So you have to remain flexible in retirement and a pension payment completely eliminates that flexibility. It eliminates your control and it eliminates your access. Um, the other thing that you have to think about is when you start taking your pension payment, it's a set dollar amount, meaning that 
these assets, what, 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 what you're getting today in a check, let's say it's $2,000 a month, that same $2,000 10 years from now is not going to be able to buy the same amount of goods. Monetary inflation is the silent killer to fixed income payments coming from a pension. And you might not feel it every single day, but trust me, it is there. And people that decide to take a pension check versus rolling those assets over into your IRA, they're confusing with the return of their retirement assets for the return of purchasing power. And if you're taking those pension checks, your purchasing power is going down each and every month you receive those checks. And so they don't peg or adjust them to inflation. Another point, and this is a conversation, again, part of my conversation with these clients is that pensions are not guaranteed. I know some people think, well, if, the, if, if my company tells me that they're going to pay me $2,000 a month, it's going to be $2,000 a month for the rest of my life guaranteed. There's never, it's never going to change. Well, unfortunately, that's not true. There is, a, there is a kind of government-sponsored enterprise. It's called the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, the PBGC. This, this company, this, this whatever you want to call it, this organization was created to take over insolvent pensions because pensions have gone insolvent throughout <clears throat> history. And when a pension goes insolvent, it gets turned over to the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. Now, the problem with the PBGC is that they have tens of billions of dollars of unfunded pension liabilities. And because of these unfunded pension liabilities, they have a maximum amount, depending upon the pensions they take over, that they can pay out. So if a pension that you thought when you retired 10 years ago is going to continue to be a going interest, all of a sudden becomes insolvent for whatever reason... That $2,000 check you're getting a month, the PBGC might say, well, Mr. and Mrs. Pension Recipient, we can't pay you that much. So we're going to have to lower it down to $1,000 a month. Well, you just cut your retirement income in half because you decided to take the pension payment versus the lump sum rollover where you gave your assets the ability to grow and make those adjustments and again, combat monetary inflation. So that's something else that you need to keep in mind. This is why the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation was created. So pensions are not always guaranteed. Anything you guys want to add to well, this I, so far? Most of the pensions that have been, that have failed are, are mostly confined to you know, public or private corporations. They're not, you know, government sponsored, uh, like military right. or teachers. And I think some, I think these, some of these pensions, like the military ones, I think are, I mean, they're going to be, they're probably guaranteed by the full faith and credit of the government because they can just print more money. Correct. Uh, and they can tax also. And the, and the teachers' pensions, you know, the, 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 the state of Texas has the ability to tax. Uh, but everything else, that's the big gray area. Well, and here's something else, and I know this is probably going to go into the next segment, but one other thing you have to think about taking a pension payment is normally you can choose 
to take a pension payment on a single life, meaning you, the retiree, or two lives, which could be you and your spouse. And when we get back from commercial break, again, talk about another detriment to taking that pension payment. So we'll continue, we'll pick up this conversation on the other side of the break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll free at 1 800 275 2162. If you'd like to send us an email, all emails can be sent to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And you can catch the MoneyWise podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. So if you're just tuning in to this weekend's MoneyWise program, just going over some investor education of why we recommend to take a lump sum distribution rollover from a traditional pension plan and roll that into your IRA. A couple final points I wanted to make about why we recommend to do the rollover as opposed to taking the pension payments is when you go and decide to take pension payments, they can you can typically choose to have it on a single life, meaning your life as the employee retiring, or you and your spouse life, which of course is gonna reduce your monthly payment. And so you have very few beneficiary options. Well, let's say God forbid a month after you retire, you and your spouse get into an accident, you both perish, but now you have children and you wanted to leave a legacy to them. Well, guess what? Your pension assets are gone. They go back into the pension and they're going to be distributed to other people that decide to take those pension payments. So if you want to leave a legacy, you want to leave money to your children, to your grandchildren. If you decide to take the payments from a pension and God forbid something happens, depending upon how you take the payments, whether it's a single life or double life, some pensions you, of course, can choose even beneficiaries past a single and double life. But every time you add more beneficiaries to the pension payout, your payment gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So if you want to leave a legacy to your family or to heirs, you take pension payments, it can be significantly hampered or completely reduced. So that's something you also have to think about. The final point I want to make, and this is something that we've talked about on past shows years ago, and we've seen this, and I believe General Electric was was guilty of this, but some other pensions have had this issue, where the pension actuary, the companies that oversee and do all the mathematical calculations for the pensions and the pension recipients and their check amounts, have gotten calculations wrong. And we read a story in the Wall Street Journal a few years ago of a gentleman who had been taking pension payments from for a wrong amount that was calculated by someone he didn't even know and he receives a letter in the mail stating well sir we've paid you 150,000 more so far through your pension payments than you were entitled to so now you need to pay us that $150,000 back or we're going to significantly reduce your monthly check Now, imagine how you would feel if you found yourself in that situation. Now, of course, what I'm talking about in this final point is a rare occurrence, but it can and it has and it does happen. So this is something else that you have to think about. And this is just, uh, again, the long list of all the reasons why we recommend people that have a defined benefit plan, a traditional pension to take 
the lump sum distribution rollover into your IRA. Joe, I think some, some things well, you want to add to it. One of the points that Kyle mentioned, and you talked about assisted living, mm-hmm. and if you're an assisted living facility, you know, or at home, it could be a pretty significant expense. I think the biggest thing you have to look at when you're looking at the pension option, it has to do with assisted living or medical expenses. And if you've ever gone through this before, you know how expensive it could be. If you've ever taken care of a, a father or mother or grandparent, you know how expensive it can be. And you got to figure out, is that going to be me? What kind of flexibility do I have built into my retirement account? And if you don't have long-term care and I'm not, it's expensive. I understand it. I have a policy. It's something you need to look at. And if, and I understand it, it varies from person to person, but you have to look at the full picture. And then when, when Kyle's putting together a retirement roadmap, or we're doing that, we're taking all of these things into account and you have to make sure that you, you've covered your basis on it. But I think the biggest threat to somebody taking a pension, or unless you have some type of coverage or unforeseen medical expenses. Um, and honestly, if it's assisted living, usually that's foreseen because the odds are you're going to need it one way or the other. So, well, and I think at the, really at the end of the day, it really comes down to flex ability. You have to remain flexible in retirement, whether you're rolling over a pension, whether you're rolling over a 401k, whatever, you have to be flexible within your retirement nest egg because life can change in the blink of an eye. And when you start buying things like annuities, one reason why we hate annuities of all shapes and forms, the reasons why we recommend these rollovers is we're always preaching flexibility in retirement because I, I was just having a conversation on Friday with a prospective client. We always preach that when you get to retirement, you're just at the 50 yard line. You have 50 more yards to go to get to the end zone. And you when you start taking chunks of your retirement nest egg that you've maybe worked 35, 40, 45, 50 years to build, the last thing you want to do is go and put it in a financial jail to try to give you that peace of mind. And if you have a fear about Wall Street or a fear of a big pullback in the market or another financial crisis type situation, you know, don't allow your emotions or the awfulizing effect of the fear of the unknown to drive that decision. Because the one thing that the stock market has always proven from its history is that the direction long-term is higher. In fact, I looked up a statistic. Since 1926, the stock market year over year has produced positive yearly results 74% of the time. Now, if someone said you go to Vegas and 74% of the bets you make, you're going to win, I guarantee you every single one of our listeners will be at San Antonio International Airport on the first jet to Vegas. Well, that's or yeah, or Corpus. That's what Wall Street has produced since 1926 74% positive return years. Jeff, keep that in mind. Just don't allow emotions and fear drive your decision to lock up your money permanently in prison. This is this is see I'm 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 actually communicating Kyle telepathically. Telepathically, we are brothers. Because I was going to make when we ever whenever we have this conversation with folks about really just not want want to take those annuity payments. The the overriding reason is their fear of taking this lump sum, lump sum this large six figure lump sum, 
and putting it in the market is that the market is going to take a bath and they're going to lose all this money. And, and why do I not just want to take the payment now? Cause it's, cause it's guaranteed and I'm going to have it for the rest of my life. And it's for all the reasons that Kyle just said, but it's fear that seems to drive the decision the most by even considering not taking the lump sum payout. It's always, and, it always comes down to fear. And if you find yourself in that situation and you're trying to make that decision and you want a deeper and broader education, talk about your personal situation. We're always available here at Davidson Capital Management at, at 800-275-2162 with offices in San Antonio and Corpus Christi. With that, we're coming up to the top of the hour. So for listeners of MoneyWise on 1200 WOAI, we'd like to thank you for listening to this weekend's MoneyWise program. If you'd like to catch the second hour of our show, you can go to our podcast or you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com and click the, money sh- or click the radio show link. For Money Wise listeners in Corpus Christi on 1360 KKTX, stay tuned because when we come back from the top of the hour break, we'll be diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program and continuing with investor education. So stay tuned and we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. I've got my father, John, my brother, Jeff. I'm your host, Kyle Davidson, and we are diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program. Now, if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070. Or toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you have an investment-related question or topic you'd like for us to discuss here on the MoneyWise program, you can send all your emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. If you missed the first hour of MoneyWise, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Click on the radio show link where you can listen to today's show as well as past MoneyWise programs. You can also subscribe to our iTunes feed by clicking on the blue note in the upper right-hand corner of our homepage at davidsoncap.com. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. Well, as as we like to utilize every second hour of the Money Wise program going into investor education, and any longtime listeners of the program know that we definitely love our top ten lists. Uh, I guess it's a little bit of an ode to uh, to David Letterman. Uh, But we have a top ten list for this afternoon's show called The Ten Myths of Retirement Planning. And so we'll dive right in with myth number one. And that first myth is you will not need as much money during retirement as you do right now. Now, this, I would say the financial entertainment press, the legacy distribution system for Years and years and years, as long as I've been in the business, which, you know, for me is coming up on 16 years I've been doing this, they have the kind of industry standard that you only need 70 to 80% of what you're currently earning while you're working in retirement to maintain your lifestyle once you are in retirement. And, you know, very honestly, what I try to educate prospective clients uh, that come in here to Davidson Capital Management is that 
we don't abide by that 70 to 80% of your current income in retirement to maintain your lifestyle. In fact, most instances I say you need 95 to 100% of what you're currently earning now, you need to be able to withdraw that same amount of money in retirement from your nest egg in order to maintain your lifestyle. Because the one, I think, variable that the legacy distribution system doesn't uh, calculate, doesn't uh, put into their calculation or account for is the fact that what's the one thing that you have a heck of a lot more of in retirement than you do during your working years? Leisure time. That's right. You have a lot more leisure time, so you have more time to travel. If you're into hunting, fishing, golfing, those are not cheap hobbies by any stretch of the imagination. Or now you're getting into new hobbies that take more time and more money. And so, you know, that myth that you don't need as much money in retirement as you do right now, again, I think is a complete myth and it's complete bogus. Do you want to add something, Jeff? Well, Go ahead, Dan. Well, I was going to say also medical expenses. That's the one thing that uh, that's really the X factor, the unknown factor as you get older because that's, that's true. definitely going up. Well, that's true. We don't know the, the inflationary costs of medical care. Obviously, as you get older, you need more and more attention from healthcare care professionals. Uh, but I think something else, Dad, that, that's a big unknown that's out there, and I think um, – I'm not even going out of limb on saying this, but with with the deficits that we currently face and the national debt, I mean, to say that taxes are going to be going down in the future, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I, and so I think retirees are folks that are working towards retirement and building their nest egg. That's something that they need to keep, keep in the back of their mind is, you know, they shouldn't anticipate, oh, well, I'm going to only have a 10 or 12 percent effective tax rate in retirement because nobody knows what their tax rate is going to be, and again, we're assuming that taxes will be going up as far as the eye can see because of the deficits, because of the national debt that we have. I think maybe turning this myth around and turning it into a question is something that we at Davidson Capital Management do time and again when we're meeting with prospective clients, and they ask this question, well, what do you think the portfolio can produce an income in retirement. They may maybe the, the maybe you don't know exactly what you think you will need, but maybe if you had an estimate of what the what your portfolio might produce if you were to retire right now or if you were to retire say 10 years from now at a certain rate of return based on the portfolio nest egg that you have right now and then apply our maximum withdrawal rate here that we have at our firm of 7% a year and say, do you think this number will be enough money for you to retire on uh, when you reach retirement years? Let's say that the, the, that they bring a portfolio of a certain size, and we, and we estimate that it will grow at 7 to 8% a year for another 10 years, and the number we start off with is a $1 million. We'll just round it off. Well, at our maximum rate of withdrawal, that's $70,000 a year, 7% of a million dollars. So is, is 70000 do you think $70,000 a year based on a $1 million portfolio will be enough to keep your lifestyle where it is right now? If we find that there's that the, the client is spending $140,000 a year on their lifestyle, that's $70,000 in retirement, we're not even taking into account any Social Security, of course, 
might not be enough to support their current lifestyle. So now we now we got to now we got to look at okay, are we going to start saving more now to increase that nest egg size so that we can get a little closer to uh, to that target uh, income, or do we need to think about uh, lowering living lo- expenses, lowering, lowering lowering liver expenses, lowering expectations uh, for income in retirement? All three. Well, I, Maybe I, think, all three. I, I think one thing that a lot of retirees can get or pre-retirees can get in trouble is they go in with expectations that, well, my portfolio needs to be designed to where I'm, I'm outperforming the S&P 500 each and every year. And if you're creating a financial plan that takes that scenario in, 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 into effect, that is extremely, extremely dangerous. And by saying that, I need to have my portfolio outperforming the S&P each and every year. It's unrealistic. It's very unrealistic. And the one, one of the big problems that pre-retirees have going into maybe a professional asset manager relationship is they have unrealistic expectations. And what they need to do is they need to establish a goal, a plan. You know, my goal for this money is to grow 8% per year. Like you said, Jeff, let's sit down and work out a plan. And what are your goals? And say, okay, if you only need to earn 7 maybe 8% annualized, over, you know, after all fees and expenses for a lengthy period of time, let's say the next 10 or 15 years to have a comfortable retirement, then that's really what you should focus on and how you should position your portfolio and allocate it. But if you're the type of investor that's like, i got to beat the S&P each and every year, you're setting yourself up for disappointment and failure because it is next to impossible to do. Well, when we come back from the break, I want to take a different approach. That's that's one type of client that we see uh, here at Davidson Capital, but there's also another type I want to talk about when we come back. Okay, and we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you have an investment-related question or topic you'd like for us to discuss here on the Money Wise program, you can send our emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So we're focusing on the second hour of this weekend's program, the 10 myths of retirement planning. We're actually still working on myth number one, uh, that myth again. Uh, you will not need as much money during retirement as you do right now. And so we were talking before we went to break about setting goals, and having appropriate goals in place and appropriate expectations in place with your nest egg as you're going into retirement. And, Jeff, I know you wanted to add a little bit to that. Well, that is one. We see this this type of scenario with some prospective clients that are looking for maximum performance. They're, they're, They're very much focused on performance, and we understand that. But I think... Another type of client that we that we're seeing, and maybe this is an offshoot of of the, of the new target date funds that have been out here for about the last ten years, and that's this assumption that as I get closer and closer to retirement, I need to have more and more of my money in in bond investments and in fixed income investments, and less and less in stock because I need to be taking less risk. And so, by having more money in fixed income, well, that would be traditionally saying, well, I'm taking less risk. Well. That's all fine and good 
in a normal interest rate environment, and I use that in quotations, is, but this is not a normal interest Definitely rate Definitely not normal. And we have not had a normal interest rate environment for a very long time. And it appears that we may not have a normal interest rate environment for a number of years into the future. So <clears throat> having a asset allocation strategy that as I'm approaching retirement, I need to have less than what we would recommend an, uh, an allocation in stocks in the current rate environment and more of an allocation to bonds, but yet still have a uh, expected rate of return of 8% is not realistic. Mm-hmm. It's not realistic at all. And so m- maybe the two tie together is about having realistic expectations and understanding that in order to deliver those expectations, you have to have a certain ratio of stocks to bonds based on the existing current interest rate environment. Yes, Doug? Well, just say we were looking at a traditional balanced account, which in the old days would be 60% stock, 40% bond. Well, if you're at a 10% return in stocks, that means you're going to get 6% from your stocks out of the portfolio. The problem is the 40% that would be sitting in bonds with a 10-year bond, you know, slightly, you know, less than three, you're you're not getting up to the 7%, which we have seen is a safe withdrawal rate going back our 25 years. But and it's because of the bond component. The bond component right now is changing the math on what people need for retirement. But I don't think the retirees are picking up on that fact, Dad. I, I don't think they are. And when you're talking about target date funds putting more money into bonds as people approach retirement, what is the most dangerous asset class out there right now? It is bonds. Fixed income. Because we don't know very how few the Fed... Say, very, very few people would say that. No, I, nobody would say that. I don't think other than people that run bonds like us. We either know, than us. Either we, than us. We know, we know that it's dangerous. You get the Bill Grosses of the world that come out and say it's a new normal. They don't want to come out and say it's a new bubble. They don't want to say the bubble word Connected with bonds. So are we moving on to myth number two? Myth number two. Myth number two. My retirement years won't last that long. The fact is today's today individuals in their 50s and 60s, of course, are generally healthier than previous generations. So if you're 65 years old right now, your life expectancy is approximately 21 years. And... With a life expectancy of 21 years means that you have a 50% chance of dying by year 21 and a 50% chance of living longer. So if you're 65 right now, you have a 50-50 chance of, of living past 86 years old. And so that, again, goes along with creating that plan and having your goals and realizing, is my nest egg sufficient enough to sustain me till I'm 86 or till I'm 95, and if you and have, nobody knows, and if you have a seven percent rate of withdrawal in your portfolio, and you've got a hundred percent fixed income earning you two percent, you're not going to get there. It's not. It may not last 21 years. You know, as I always, as I say to prospective clients, if we all knew when the last day on this earth would be for each one of us, man, retirement planning would be so much easier. But unfortunately, and I guess fortunately, we don't know when that day is going to be. No, myth number three, you can afford to start planning for your retirement a few years before your retirement date. 
In fact, it is never too soon to begin planning for retirement. Time is one of the most powerful tools in the accumulation of wealth. The sooner you start to accumulate assets and plan for your retirement years, the better, the less you will need to set aside each year in order to achieve the same objective. Now, I've talked about this over and over and over again for a number of years using the example of someone that was just fresh out of college, that just graduated, just got their diploma, and they get their first job. And if they had a, if they, this, this, this $1 million goal to have in your, in your retirement years, you start off your retirement with a one, $1 million nest egg. If you started saving when you were 21, 22 years old and you save for 40 years to get to 62, the, you would have to save what amounts to about a, skipping lunch every day. Brown bagging out. it. Brown. By brown bagging it, going to work. About about $8 a day, it's like $250 a month. If you save that amount of money at 22 years old and you never change it, you would, accumulate, you would accumulate about a million dollars at an 8% compounded rate of return. You know what our listeners can do? They can just go into Google and Google the term time value of money and read the explanation. I mean, it's very, very simple. And, and again, if you're someone who's in their 40s, maybe in their early 50s, and you haven't started saving for retirement, I mean, this is when you need to buckle down and start putting the pedal to the metal uh, to, to try to save as much as possible. It's never too late. As we've always said on the radio show, pay yourself first. But this myth number three rolls right into myth number four for those individuals that have failed to plan for their retirement. And that myth number four is that Social Security will provide enough income for my retirement years. Bottom line, Social Security accounts for approximately 38% of the average retiree of the average retiree's income. So. Uh, you know, you're you're talking, you know, sixty two percent that still needs to be made up. And 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 again, to be very blunt, if you're relying on the federal government to take care of you in retirement, again, you are setting yourself up for failure. We all know the Social Security system is broken. It needs a substantial overhaul. Um, the fact that Social Security benefits with cost of living adjustments or COLA for short, have become smaller and smaller and smaller over the years. Um, If you're one of those individuals that's just relying on Social Security to take care of you, again, you're planning for failure in your retirement years and possibly working to the day that you die. You have to start planning and you have to start putting away. You know, if you follow myth number three, then you're going to wind up falling into the trap of myth number four. So myth number five, I have my pension plan to provide for my retirement income and will not need any additional savings. Boy, this is extremely, extremely dangerous to think that a traditional pension or defined benefit plan is going to take care of you throughout the rest of your retirement years. And and again, as, as we all know, Uh, With the invention of the 401k through the Tax Reform Act of 1978, this is where corporate America has been going. They've been shifting away from the defined benefit plan. So there might only be a handful of listeners of this weekend's program that have the luxury of having a defined benefit plan. But we have always recommended at Davidson Capital Management that if you have the ability to take a cash 
lump sum distribution from your pension. And the and the way that you can do that is, first off, your pension has to have over an 80% uh, funding rate by the corporation to take a 100% lump sum. And then if it has a 60 to 80% funded rate from the corporation, you can take a partial lump sum distribution. And then any pension that's less than 60% funded, you're going to have to take the pension payment. And I know, you know, one particular organization here in town that falls in that category of having an underfunded pension. But, you know, the one thing that they don't tell you when they give you the options that you can select at time of retirement, whether to take a lump sum or to take the annuity payments from your pension, is that these pension payments are not adjusted for inflation. So maybe that fifteen hundred so that fifteen hundred dollars that you started receiving in your pension on month one and year one is going to be buying a heck of a lot less goods and services ten years from now. And I think that's one area that retirees forget. That monetary inflation is eroding your purchasing power and once you start taking that pension payment, there's no going back. You're done. You're locked out. That's what you're going to be getting for the rest of your life. And it's not adjusted for inflation, so each and every month that goes by, you're going to be able to buy a little less goods and services. So you need to keep that in the back of your mind, and that's one main reason, one huge reason why we recommend to take a lump sum distribution, if you can, from your traditional pension. With that, we're coming to the bottom of the hour break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after the news. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So we've been talking this hour about the 10 myths the ten myths of retirement planning. Um, we've gotten to myth, and we came to the bottom of the hour break. We're on myth number five, uh, which was I have my pension plan to provide for my retirement income and will not need any additional savings. And as we went to break, was talking about what we recommend to prospective clients at Davidson Capital Management when you can take the lump sum distribution from your pension to do that, for one, so you now have full, complete control of those assets. Also, so you can put those assets to work for you in an allocation model that can provide you with growth and something that's going to be appropriate for you to help make that money last your entire uh, lifespan in retirement, but also to help combat, combat monetary inflation. Because again, that's one thing that the pension provider is not going to tell you at a pre-retirement meeting is that once you annuitize that pension and start taking that monthly check, that's the check that you're going to continue to receive. It's not going to be adjusted for inflation. And so that $1,500 as an example that you start receiving each and every month will buy less goods and services as every month goes by. So imagine, and think of it very easily, will $1,500 20 years ago buy the same amount of goods and service as it does today? No, because of monetary inflation. That is the one thing 
that is not discussed enough with pre-retirees. It's one aspect uh, of the market that, that individuals don't think about a lot and why I've always been a big advocate that every brokerage statement across this country should have a notation of what monetary inflation was for that reporting period so they realize, oh, I did lose a little bit of value in my CD because of monetary inflation or I lost value of my money sitting in cash in the bank vault because of monetary inflation. It, it affects pensions the exact same way. So myth number six, Medicare will take care of my health insurance. And I'm glad that this is on the list of myths because this is a conversation I have when I go through my financial road mapping exercises with clients. When we work with our clients that are working towards that retirement I don't want to say retirement goal line. I would say retirement is the 50-yard line. So as they're working to the 50-yard line of the field to go into retirement, when I start, ha when I have our clients work on their monthly budgets, I always want them to put in some type of figure for supplemental insurance to Medicare. I always tell our clients that do not rely 100% on Medicare. And you know the bottom line is, is that Medicare pays less than a half of a typical retiree's medical bills and that you have to have a supplemental plan. And, Dad, I mean, you're absolutely. you're an absolute authority on this. No, no, because no, that's, you're absolutely correct, Kyle. And so I always want to build into a retirement budget, and this is, again, an exercise for any pre-retiree that's working on their monthly budget to include, what do you pay, around four uh, $500 a month? It's getting more and more expensive. It is, okay. So um, your supplemental plan is getting more yes. and more expensive. So I would say... And we've already reduced one of the portions of it. So would you say for a pre-retiree to maybe work in four to maybe $600 a month for that supplemental policy uh, or even more? Uh, actually, it's going to be it's going to start to be more than that. Really? Yes. That's what it is currently. Maybe six, to, is. Maybe six to $800? It's, uh, it's getting there. It's getting there. So the bottom line is, is that... Well, the problem is, at this point in time, because of Obamacare, we, we don't totally know the effects yet. You know, th this has not got through the system. And the other thing that doesn't come out in this that they won't tell you is you're not going to see all the same health professionals you saw before. Not every doctor wants Medicare patients. That's true. And so... There's instances where your your specialists are going to change. That's not all. That's another myth too. Is that you may <laughs> you're not, adding myth number eleven? You, you may be going <laughs> to San Antonio to see someone you want to see. Myth: You can keep all of your current healthcare yes. providers. Yeah, that's not even that's your not, primary care. That's positions. not true on Medicare, much less Obamacare. So anyone working out a monthly budget pre-retiree, they need to figure in. A health insurance cost, even if you're going into Medicare because you're going to have to have that supplemental policy. Uh, myth number seven, all my assets are in safe vehicles for long-term accumulation and do not need to be watched closely. What the heck are I mean, safe vehicles for long-term accumulation? What do, what do they mean is, by that? There is none. Well, I, I know an annuity salesman would say this annuity, yes. this indexed annuity, this variable annuity, that's that's safe. It's quote-unquote guaranteed. That talk should have ended Hardy in 08 or 09. I mean, they, they might be talking about certificates of deposit yes. or government bonds. Yes. But those safe that's vehicles it. for long-term accumulation 
aren't accumulating a whole lot. I was about in, to say in, they in today's interest rates. They need to define what is accumulation. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very loose term. Something right less there. than one percent is not accumulating to me. I mean, I mean the, the the bottom line. Anyone going into retirement with oh, I've got everything in CDs. I've got everything in my money market account. I'm I've got everything in fixed income. I'm safe. I can go on my trips, on my vacations. I can go play with the grandkids and the family. I don't have to think about it, don't have to worry about it. If you don't work with an investment professional who has discretionary control and is a registered investment advisor to manage those assets for you, then you're the portfolio manager. and you cannot- Well, there is a portfolio manager. Whether you hire one or not, you've hired yourself. That's right. Yeah, that that means that you're the portfolio manager, and you cannot fall asleep behind the wheel. And following this methodology of oh, I'm safe, I don't need to watch it closely. Again, setting yourself up for failure. This is why we've always used the Money Wise program to educate and to enlighten pre-retirees and retirees that you always have to be vigilant in your portfolio, whether you're doing it yourself or whether you're working with an investment professional, it's something that has to be paid attention to. Well, I mean, you are the portfolio manager on your 401k plan. That's right. That That's right. If you don't have a self-directed brokerage option, and, and again, that brings up another important point, something that a lot of 401k plans don't talk about, is in-service distribution options for participants in 401ks that are age 59 and a half and older. If you're planning on working another five or six years, guess what? At 59 and a half, you have the ability to hire an investment professional, roll your 401k assets out into a self-directed IRA that you can now get professionally managed. And for someone who's amassed 500, 600, 800, a million dollars in their 401k and they don't feel comfortable with what they're doing in their own account, this is when you might want to start looking at your options as you're continuing to work and participating in the 401k for looking at a self-directed, uh, either a self-directed or an in-service distribution option in the 401k. Um, so myth number eight, I can always use the equity in my home to add to my retirement income. Well, this might have been a thought pattern prior to the housing collapse back from 2006 and 2007, and with home values just starting to come back well, and revive. You know, they're bubbling up in here. There's no question about that. They, they are, depending upon what part of the country you live in. Um, but again, as we've always educated and always talked about here on the Money Wise program, is that you should view your house as where you live. Do not view it as an investment. If you have your house paid off, yeah, you have equity built into it. It's kind of a break glass in case of emergency type thing. But if you're developing a financial plan in retirement that revolves around taking a reverse mortgage out or taking a home equity line of credit out and, and living off of the equity bills in your house, again, you're planning and setting yourself up for failure. And again, with the financial crisis back in 08, which again, housing market had a lot to lend itself to, to that financial crisis, there's a lot of folks that still could be underwater, have zero or very little home equity. Uh, so we always say don't look at your house as a piggy bank. Look at your house as where you live. And if you have equity built into it, fantastic. But don't include it in a financial plan that, hey, this is a register that I'm going to be able to ring if I need to. Anything else you wanted to add? Myth number nine. 
If need be, my family can always help me out. This is my plan. <laughs> well, that's myth number nine. Yeah, right? that, that's myth. That's myth Usually number myth nine. Number one. Yeah, myth number nine. The fact is that many people use this as an excuse for dele- delaying retirement planning, but in reality, no one wants to rely on other family members to help them out financially to fund their retirement years. And if anything, these are the years when you want true financial independence and do not want to feel as if you are a burden on your family. Uh, It must be some very interesting Thanksgivings out there. I mean, the fact that this many people could be getting along, I thought it would be be the last people that you'd want to rely on would be family members. Well, I I mean, and unfortunately, again, if – if you're the type of investor or the lack thereof, not investing, not planning, you know, believing in a lot of these myths that we've already discussed, then you're going to wind up falling into the category where you're going to be looking to your children or looking to other family members to take care of you in retirement and, again, becoming a burden on them, and, and 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 I would think that that's that's not a conversation that any parent wants to have with their child, saying, "Well, hey, Sally, hey, you know, I'm going to be moving in with you now. I hope you have an uh, extra yeah, room I, in your house." Yeah, I'm going to be because I did such a poor job planning for retirement. Now I'm going to come live with you. How, what do you think about that? Or or then the parents become a travel agent for guilt trips and say, <laughs> "Well, I paid for your college. I did I all this you. for you. I raised you. You owe me this." I would recommend try not to be one of those parents that's a you-owe-me-this kind of parent. You have to do the planning yourself and prepare for your retirement. Well, we're going to take our last commercial break. When we come back, we'll be wrapping up the 10 myths of retirement planning. And we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Money Wise guys will be back after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So we spent the last hour of this weekend's MoneyWise program going through the 10 myths of retirement planning, and we finally arrived at myth number 10. And that myth is money is everything when it comes to retirement planning. Uh, now, money is important, But it isn't everything because, again, you could have $4 million nest egg saved up, but you're spending $400,000 a year to maintain your lifestyle. And guess what? That nest egg isn't going to last too long. And so you you could have been a fantastic saver, but if you're going into retirement with a massive amount of debt, consumer debt, you know, huge house payment, a bunch of car payments, a lot of toys, a whole high monthly expenses, and and you're leading this very, very extravagant lifestyle. Doesn't matter how much you, you you've saved because you have to pay attention to what you're spending. Yeah, it's about creating a proper balance. And, and, it's, well, and it's pretty rare that we see folks that have accumulated tr- large nest eggs. But but also have been have really big spending habits. Usually it's 
their nest egg is moderate to maybe a little below average, but they have big spending habits. Well, well what I see also is we'll still see people that save quite a bit of money, and then they get in retirement, and they're way too frugal. They're so afraid they're going to outlive their money, they won't even enjoy, enjoy, yeah. enjoy some of the fruits of their labor. I mean, I see well, this it, more. It, it's, 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 it's about a happy medium, a happy balance. But I think, that it goes back to your point is that retirement planning has to stay flexible. You have to be malleable because life can change in the blink of an eye. Markets change each and every day. Allocations can adjust. You have to be flexible. This is why we're such humongous advocates against, again, let me repeat, against annuities of any shape or form because it takes away that flexibility right. and that malleability. We're, we're very much against taking, if you if you work for a corporation that offers a, a, a pension plan and you and you take the pension payment and don't take the lump sum. We're very much against taking the pension payment because you're locking yourself in to this amount of money for the rest of your life. It will be never be a penny more or a penny less. And no one knows that that's going to be enough with that's your right. other retirement income to get through retirement. So like, like Kyle said, and then we'll reiterate it again, flexibility is the key because markets – don't say the same. Life doesn't stay the same. I, I, and, to, and to me, of the ten myths, the one that 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 really I strikes a chord with strikes you strikes a chord. I would not even consider retiring without a supplemental plan to my Medicare. Do not rely on Medicare for your health costs, because that is the one guarantee. I would say you're definitely going to be using as you get older. So it's death, taxes, and increase in medical care, <laughs> increased cost of medical care. Yes. Those are the three now. It's not just death and taxes. Well, that's right. Inflation, inflation and medical inflation care. Inflation is all – I don't know that I've ever lived in, in two years in a row that we haven't had a pos, positive inflation. We've had inflation practically every year of my life. And, the, and, and if I've been living 48, I have no reason to doubt that the next 48 are going to have inflation also. Now, despite what the government says, current interest, current inflation rates being somewhere less than two percent, I don't know anyone that uh, isn't paying more than two percent for their living expenses, and so I'm a little suspicious of how the government's computing these numbers. And you know, we've always used at least a minimum three percent uh, inflation rate, and so if if you're if you're accumulating assets into retirement. And you unfortunately have received advice or believe that as you approach those retirement years, you should have less and less money in stocks and more and more money in a in fixed income or bond investments. There isn't a bond investment out there that has a uh, that is uh, what we would consider to be investment grade that's yielding more than three percent unless you go way way out well, there's the no one yielding seven and we're talking about in our experience our 25 years we've seen where you can take seven percent out of a balanced portfolio and still have a portfolio of the size still, but what i'm with. yeah but what i'm saying yeah. is is that greater than the size you, you can't even with. get a fixed income investment that we would consider investing in that's investment grade that even reaches what we believe is is at least the minimum true rate of inflation 
No, and, and, and again, everyone's inflationary rate is different, but if you're going into retirement anticipating that your inflationary rate's going down, not with medical care costs. No. Not with medical care costs. I don't think medical, co- Medicare costs are growing at, at 3% or less a year. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, in, I think it goes college tuition, medical costs. And those the, are and probably the, that, high single-digit rates of inflation. For for tuition, it's actually I've seen I've seen statistics it's double digits, with 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 college costs. So, you know the, the the bottom the bottom line is is that you have to prepare, you have to plan. As I've always tried to educate on this program, that if if you're listening to the show and you're six months, twelve months out from retiring, this is when you need to start getting on the horse and start interviewing investment professionals that you might be interested in working with, finding out what they have to offer, seeing how they work with their clients, find out if they're taking discretionary control and are acting as a fiduciary, as a registered investment advisor does, like we do here at Davidson Capital Management, or are they only going to sell you investment products and do what's suitable for you, which does not which does not mean putting your interests in front of their own or the firm that employs them, you need to start doing that work in advance. Do not get caught behind the eight ball. I don't know how many times I've talked about it on this show, but since we're talking about retirement planning, I always want to bring this up. You know, I've met with some folks that get caught behind the eight ball and they're scrambling to try to figure out who they're going to work with they wind up making a very hasty decision because they sat in one sales presentation said wow that sounds good they threw around the word guaranteed a lot and guaranteed this rate of return and guaranteed that and all these guarantees well i'm just going to sign on the dotted line and then they're toast their portfolio is toast and they're locked into something they've lost their flexibility they lost their flexibility and the bill of goods that was sold to them was completely false smoke and mirrors, and then they wind up regretting that. And then a lot of times we wind up working with these people where we're having to unwind these hasty decisions that they made and sometimes can cost them quite significantly. And it can't be done overnight and, either. And exactly, and it can't be done overnight. So, you know, again, you have to plan. You have to prepare. Do not get sucked in to these myths and if there's anything that we can do for you at Davidson Capital Management, you want to talk about your your financial situation, give us a call, 906-0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And with that, we would like to thank everyone for listening to this weekend's Money Wise program. For my father, John, and my brother, Jeff, this is Kyle Davidson saying have a fantastic weekend. And to your financial health, we will talk to you next week. <laughs>